Good morning, everybody. This is Will Richardson in San Francisco. Welcome to the 10X Advisor podcast. And today, everybody get excited right now because we're here with Jordan Montgomery. He's going to bring energy, enthusiasm, excitement, and possibilities for everybody listening. A little bit of background in case you don't know Jordan. He was a successful advisor and leader here at Northwestern, and he's now he runs a firm focused on leadership development and organizational health. He has clients at Northwestern, 80% of network offices. Jordan, utilize you in some capacity. And you're also working with professional athletes, NBA, NFL, and, and Division One athletes. Man, it, you are doing so many big things. Welcome. Well, Will, thanks for having me, man. Uh, for so many years, you've been a good friend. Specifically love this podcast, and this is one that I've listened to for a long time. So just an honor to be on the other end of it and be a guest this time. So thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I want to dig into this concept that you and I were talking about as, as you work with advisors and you see this journey. Uh, I think you call it something like from advisor to executive leader. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think most advisors will come into the business because they want to work with people. They want to sell. They want to do planning. You know, they want to go one to one with clients. And when I got into the business, that was true of my journey. You know, I remember thinking, I just want to sell. I want to work with people. I want to plan. I want to build relationships. And then the business grows. And we say it this way, that growth creates complexity and complexity can kill growth. So if we're not careful, the very thing that got us to where we're at could be the very thing that holds us back moving forward. And so much of that, I think, is in the process of becoming an executive leader, right? It's having to all of a sudden develop people and attract talent and build systems and processes. Um, thinking about your brand, how you get involved in your community. Like there's all these things that you have to think about as you make the shift from advisor to executive leader that you may or may not have thought about, but probably you didn't sign up for. So. In our work, we're helping the advisor think about building an enterprise, building an enduring firm, uh, building something that will outlast the lifespan and certainly the career span of the advisor. And those are conversations that we get excited about. And I love what you said. It's so true, isn't it? Growth creates complexity and complexity kills growth. So it you know it sounds like our challenge is how do we simplify complexity or how do we you know work through it and and I know one one concept that I'd love to have you expand on is awareness or self awareness that that could be a tough one so how do you how do you help people look in the mirror right? you know to see where they need to uh, be more aware the hardest person that I've ever had to lead is me. And we uh, tend to think about leadership development in the context of developing others. So I think for leaders who are scaling or growing, there's this tendency to think about trying to lead everybody else. And I think sometimes we forget that we are the most important person to lead. And the beginning of growth and development is self-awareness. I think most people um, struggle with that. I struggle with that. John Maxwell wrote an incredible book called The Self-Aware Leader that everyone should read. Um, in that book, direct quote, he says, the first lesson I've learned in coaching people is that people have a very difficult time seeing themselves realistically and a very easy time seeing everybody else. Hmm. So if we want to get better in the future, we have to become more aware in the present. 
And I believe that self-awareness requires a great deal of intentionality. Um, Will, I can see everybody else's blind spots. I can point out what's wrong with everyone around me and the things that they struggle with. I really struggle to assess my own blind spots. Um, I also many times struggle to assess my own gifts or understand my gifts, remember my gifts. And so as leaders, I think we have to spend a lot of time getting feedback. We have to get coaching. We have to ask more questions. We have to be more observant to work on our self-awareness because it is the beginning of growth and development. And we never fully arrive. I think it's always something that we are working at. It, it, it's such a good point. John Maxwell's great. He's such a, a visionary thinker and a great communicator. And, you know, it's it's very difficult. It's almost like I have to imagine what it's like for others to experience me. And, you know, one thing I've noticed about myself is I can be I can be a lot. Right. I can get really excited and I can make decisions quickly. I'm gonna like we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then we're going to do these other eight things. And, you know, the person's like, hey, I just met you, man. Calm down. Or, you know, the team's thinking, <laughs> oh, my gosh, you want us to do these? And I'm like, no, no, that's just like five years from now. You know, so it's um, so that's one thing that that I'm working on right now is like to, to have buffers uh, <laughs> in between me and, you know, taking too much action or doing something that, you know, it's like, oh, I just invested in this. You know, what was that without right, thinking it through? Right. So there's there's a number of opportunities, I think, every day that we all have there for sure. Yeah, well, and I've watched you grow in this area, Will, and you've asked me for feedback, and I've watched you really work on your self-awareness. Um, I think that's that's something you continue to work on and that I continue to work on. And here's what I'd say to somebody who's got uh, a really big firm. Maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, I, I, I sort of worked on that as an early stage advisor, and I feel like I really grew in my self-awareness 10 years ago. Um, in fact, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story. I was working with a high-level CEO we're in a coaching conversation with his team and there's 10 of us sitting in a boardroom. And um, this guy definitely struggles with self-awareness. Um, he's a hard charger. He's incredibly gifted, very talented communicator, uh, a lot of charisma, but he just misses things. He goes really fast and he just misses things. And um, I said, today we're going to talk about self-awareness. He says, my goodness, I'm so glad that we're spending time on this topic. It's such an important topic. And I didn't really become self-aware until about 10 years ago. And when I became self-aware, it changed everything. And I remember thinking, you are one of the least self-aware people that I've <laughs> ever met, you know? And it's kind of like annoying people. If you find somebody really annoying, part of what makes them annoying is that they don't know they're annoying. <laughs> so, you know, we got to work on this continually. And if you have a big team and if you've been successful and if you have influence, it's even more important. And here's why. As you become more successful, you have fewer people willing to give you the truth. Your circle of honest people starts to shrink and dissolve. And there's a lot of people that feel like, gosh, I I couldn't share that feedback with Will. He's producing more than me. He's accomplished more than me. He knows more than me. How could I how could I share that? And so when we find honest people, we got to keep them close because somebody who is honest with you is valuable to you and truth trumps flattery. So as leaders of people, the more successful we become, the harder we need to go in finding the truth, seeking the truth and getting real and honest feedback from those who know us best. Oh, that's good. So, and I know you're so good at doing that and you create, you create a safe space around you for your team and clients to, 
to give you that feedback. I mean, how important is that to recognize, hey, I better really not bite this person's head off? Because like, by the way, if, if I'm in their shoes, I'm not excited to tell somebody something I know they don't want to hear, even though they need to. Right. So how do you how do you get yourself to respond when you're receiving that kind of feedback? We always have a choice. We can accept the feedback or we can reject it, right? So just because somebody shares feedback doesn't mean that it was number one true and also might not be meant for your good. Um, there is a difference between calling somebody up and calling somebody out. Hmm. And we need to be able to discern when we're receiving feedback if someone is calling us up or if they are calling us out. In other words, are they trying to help us to become better or are they taking maybe a shot and is their feedback maybe laced with a critical spirit? So that's the first thing, Will, is I'm always trying to discern, okay, is this person, you know, sharing this feedback for my good? Um, also, are they doing it in an honorable way? And is there relationship? If there's relationship, if this person is somebody I trust, uh, if they've been honorable, then my goodness, I need to be able to accept that feedback, especially if I know it's for my good. If I don't have relationship, I don't really know where they're coming from. Maybe they've even been um, dishonorable. In other words, I've maybe heard that they've kind of been talking about me behind the scenes and trying to kind of tear me down. Um, and then if I know they weren't calling me up, they were kind of calling me out. They were sort of taking a shot. Well, then I'm less likely to receive that feedback with an open mind. Uh, but here's what I think we need to pay attention to as leaders. When we receive feedback and it really irks us, when it's like the hard stuff to hear, we have a tendency to deny it or reject it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. Okay. So even when it's somebody with a critical spirit, sometimes even when it's somebody that with a critical spirit, there's some part of what they shared that could be packed with some truth. And when it is the challenge for us as leaders is to say, can you give me an example? Could we go a little bit deeper? Could you share where that shows up for me? Um, because that right there could be our greatest growth and learning opportunity when I think, I don't know about you, Will, but I have a tendency to say, hey, that is not true. I totally reject that. No way. And get really defensive. And so where there is tension, we have to pay attention. Where there is tension, we have to pay attention. Um, but we also need to discern, is this person trying to call me up or call me out? What's the relationship? Is this person being honorable? Have they been dishonorable? And those are all factors I think we want to consider in receiving feedback. Well, it's so good. You know, the, even the willingness to take it, if somebody has bad intentions, they still might have a point, but they, they don't get to, you know, bring you down. Right. That's, and I love how you said we've got an option to accept it or reject it. And yeah, I know one thing I've heard you talk about is this concept of, you know, let's think about it. It relates to haters a bit. And it also, it's the, we're not for everybody message, right? It's like, um, I know you have an analogy of a concert. I mean, how do, how do you think about that in the context of, A, you're successful, like having, is having haters a measure of success in, <laughs> in some ways? Well, I think it's natural that, you know, as you grow in your influence and you have more people that follow you and more people that you're impacting, you're naturally going to have more people that are aware of you, which means there's a certain subset that won't like you or um, don't, really appreciate what you're doing. And, and that's fine. So um, here's the analogy we always use because we see a lot of early stage advisors that fall victim to this. And if you're an early stage advisor and you're just struggling with rejection, um, maybe you're still working with some people in your natural market or you're trying to prospect up and it's just been hard for you. 
my encouragement would be remember that you've got fans and you have people that appreciate you. They are by your stage. They are dancing to your music and they love your music. They want to hear you play. But here's what happens, Will. Sometimes we're this proverbial musician, you know, we're playing our music, we're doing our thing, we're living our life, we're making our phone calls, we're prospecting, we're out there doing good work. And, you know, there's people enjoying the concert, right? They're at the stage, they're dancing and they're enjoying their drink and they're having fun with their friends, they're listening to your music. And it'd be like if somebody came out onto the stage, maybe it's a security guard from the back of the stage and they, and they come out and they kind of whisper something into your into your ear and they've got a special microphone and and you can hear what they're saying and they say, um, hey, Will, Will, there's somebody outside the concert. They're standing on the street. They're outside the arena and they're holding a sign that says they don't like your music. <laughs> right. And it would be like in that moment, imagine putting down the guitar, you know, putting down the microphone and saying to your fans that are by the stage, hey, listen, guys, I have to stop the concert. I can no longer play music for you. I can no longer serve you right now. In fact, I'm actually going to go serve the opinion of the person who's outside the concert, outside the arena, who did not buy the ticket. And I'm going to let that person steal my joy, lessen my impact, and affect our relationship and opportunity. Like a musician would never do that, right? <laughs> like the point is this. You have to play your music for the people who are listening because you have people by the stage. You have people who love you. Pay attention to those fans. Pay attention to those followers. Pay attention to those voices. And yes, once in a while, we need to pay attention to the person who's got some critical feedback, but there will always be people who don't enjoy your music, who don't want to listen to your music. Matter of fact, you could just Google right now any artist on planet Earth, and they have a bunch of people that don't like their music. No big deal. I'm a Thomas Rhett fan. He played at the annual meeting. I thought Thomas Rhett was amazing. But you know what? I had a bunch of conversations with people that didn't like him. I think there's probably more people that like him than don't like him. But the point is, he's having a lot of impact in this world. And because of that, there's going to be some people that say, yeah, he's not for me. I'm aware of him. He's just not my cup of tea. No big deal. Thomas Rhett is going to keep playing his music for the people who are listening. A hundred percent, man. And, and you know, as, as you think about the journey, I mean, one of the pieces of good news that I'm hearing you say about advisors is that advisors learn how to sell. and the, the effort that they need or the work they need, it's often not in how to communicate with clients as much as it is to how did they get themselves to transform? I mean, of course, the client communication is important. But as you think about how do you think about mindset and willingness to invest in their business, whether it's hiring a person or, you know, hiring a coach, whatever it is. I mean, how do you how do you see that connection from hey, I'm good at selling to now I need to to take a step to, to invest in myself and build something bigger? We all need people to help us see what we don't see and I think add outside perspective. Um, I love Tom Landry's quote on coaching. Um, he said, coaching is telling a person what they don't want to hear, helping them see what they didn't want to see so they could be the person they always believed they could be. So the point is, um, we need outside perspective. We need people to uh, hold a mirror up to our face. Uh, we need people to say the things that either we can't say or um, maybe they can say it in a different way. And so, so yeah, and I think, you know, the, the average Olympic athlete right now has seven different coaches 
Um, and they're the most elite at what they do. So if that's true, it probably says something about, you know, the type of coaching that we should be receiving. Um, I'd say one of the most successful people that I get to coach, he has six different coaches and um, just love working with that guy. He's got an open mind and he's always looking to get better. John Wooden said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. And I just <laughs> believe that to be true. There's this paradox of education, right? The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And so if you really want to be elite at what you do, if you want to be great at what you do, I think great is one of the most overused words in the English language. There's very few people that are great at what they do. But if you want to be great, you want to go there and be really elite, then I think you have to get a ton of coaching, a lot of feedback, a lot of people pouring into you, holding up the mirror, asking you questions. And um, yeah, the best place that you could invest is in yourself, you know, if you want to grow your business. So those are just a few of my thoughts and philosophies, Will, on how to approach investing in yourself and specifically the topic of coaching. Well, you know, we think about mindset for a minute. I'm, I'm just envisioning that you, Jordan Montgomery, you don't let much garbage in. I mean, you're quoting John Wooden. You're, you're talking about Tom Landry, very positive. Um, so how do you view your time? How do you think about what do you let in, whether it's TV or news? Like, I, I just know you're very intentional about that. I'd love to have you, have you share that with us. Yeah, I think if we're going to talk about mindset, well, we need to talk about environment because there's something really cool that just happened to um, whatever it is now, you know, 10,000 people at Northwestern Mutual. And it happened um, about, what, five weeks ago. I don't know when you're listening to this or when this podcast is being released, but right now it's, uh, you know, early, uh, sorry, it's the last day of August, right? It's August 31st. I was going to say early September. So it's August 31st. We're recording this. And, and about five or six weeks ago, a bunch of us were in Milwaukee and we were in a certain environment. And we were around certain types of people, certain types of things, and we left that environment. And I think it's safe to say that we were all thinking different about the future. Maybe you were thinking different about your business or your opportunity. You were thinking different about some of your goals. You maybe needed to, to rework your goals. You needed to stretch your goals. You're like, man, I can go do more. And so the point is this, your mindset was changed and your mental game was affected because your environment changed and your environmental game was affected. So your environmental game drives your mental game and your mental game drives everything else in your life. So if you want to change your mindset, change your environment. Your environment will lead to a renewed mindset. So I'm just very particular, Will, about the people, places, and things that I allow into my environment. Um, by the way, I don't think it means that we have to stop hanging out with certain friends. I just think it means you might need to reduce Mm -hmm. uh, proximity to certain friends. Ed Milet says proximity is power. I believe that to be true. The people in closest proximity to you have great power over you. They've got great influence over you. That's just a fact. So you might just want to look at some of your friends. You might need to reduce proximity to certain friends. You might need to reduce proximity to certain environments. And then I would say this, this is probably more about addition than it is subtraction. Find um, the people you really want to be around and you want to chase after. Um, go learn from some top advisors, top leaders. Keep soaking in the Tom and Will podcast, uh, this podcast. Read from great books. Um, just build an environment that's going to drive your mind in the right direction. But if somebody says, hey, how do I begin to work on my mindset? I'd say begin to work on your environment. 
It is so true. And, you know, when I think about mindset, so I know you're coaching athletes at, at every level, at the most elite level. So what does a professional athlete have in common? And I know your skill set is valuable to them and to advisors. So I'm curious, what's your perspective on what do high-level athletes and high-level advisors have in common? More than most people would think. In fact, a lot of our coaching work with financial advisors is very similar to our coaching work with professional athletes. Now, sometimes the scenarios are different or, you know, the the environment is slightly different, but a lot of the principles and the tools are the same. So as humans, we all struggle with negative thoughts. Um, I think we all, you know, struggle with uh, communication. Uh, we all struggle to uh, put the right stuff in our environment. And so when we're working with a professional athlete or when we're working with a financial advisor, we're talking about environment, mindset, communication, self-awareness, um, because at the end of the day, all of those parts of, of who we are drive our results. They drive our behaviors. And so, um, so yeah, there's a lot of parallels, Will. I, I'll spend a little time just talking about um, communication. I think great leaders are great communicators and great communicators make great leaders. Uh, one thing that we've realized with athletes specifically is they just struggle with communication. You know, we were fortunate that we got to grow up in a professional you know, world of Northwestern Mutual, right? Where we were sort of taught through coaching and training and through the example of others that communication is pretty important. And even most financial advisors struggle to be effective in their communication. We could go deeper there, Will, but um, for the average athlete, they never spend any time, you know, really learning about communication or training around communication. And now all of a sudden, some of the athletes we're working with are being approached by companies on multi-million dollar deals and how they show up, how they communicate can be the difference of a really big check or no check. So it's not just what they say, it's it's their body language, it's their posture, it's their you know presentation. 90% of communication is nonverbal. And I had an old mentor, he'd always say, your body language never whispers, it screams. Huh. So we need to constantly be thinking about not just what we say, but how we say it. You know, amateurs focus on what they're gonna say, professionals focus on how they're gonna say it. And uh, huh. We're spending a lot of time on that topic with athletes, but also with financial advisors. Well, yeah, you mentioned communication and, you know, Tom Lipscomb has, has taught me so many things about communication. I mean, that was one of the times where the first time I really invested in, in my business, it was, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars a month for the program he was putting on at the time. And I could tell you that's generated probably a thousand times that in terms of what I've learned from him. And what I find too, is when you invest in your in your business and in things like that, you meet other people that are also doing it to the point of proximity, right? Like a, I'm in a coaching program with Dan Sullivan and you have to write a pretty good check to be in it. And you're also around other people that are willing to do the same, right? So it's all of a sudden your environment uh, shifts. And, you know, Jordan, when you, you just said something really interesting and it made me think of, uh, so my wife, Yannicka, she's Finnish and we were in Finland and, and we were at this party and this this man walked in and he looked like Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones. You know, he's like um, he's kind of an important <laughs> figure. And, and I was like, I was like, I was like, Yannicka, that guy looks like a crusher. And she was like, do you know why? It's his posture. And he was right. I mean, that guy had the best posture and he just walked in the room like he was in charge. So it, it didn't have to say a word. It was like that guy just owned the room, you know, so it's how, how do we think about <laughs> as advisor? I'd love to have you talk more about communication and body language and so on. Well, you know, for so long, I used to think that communication was all about 
language. It's about what we say. And I think that's normal in the world of sales. Uh, if you're in the people business, it's normal to, to think about language. And, and by the way, what we say is really important. We have to have good language. Um, Tom Lipscomb is one of the best. You know, I love that you just gave a shout out to Tom. I know that you've learned so much from Tom and I've learned so much from Tom, but part of what makes Tom great is he doesn't just focus on what he says. He focuses on how he says it. And if it was as simple as, um, you know, just go figure out what Tom says or what Will says, then everybody would just listen to the Tom and Will podcast and they would just go implement exactly what they heard and then they would go write, you know, a million or $2 million of premium. So we all know it's bigger than that. At the end of the day, we're in the trust business. And what builds trust is relationship and what builds relationship is effective communication. So we could spend an hour, Will, on this one topic, but um, so many times I think we fail to communicate, not because of what we say, but how we say it. And we spend a lot of time with advisors on that topic, with top advisors, five-star pathfinders, top 20 advisors, managing partners. Um, we had a division one football coach just did an interview um, not too long ago that aired in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of people. And um, we reviewed that interview together. Now this guy's very successful. He's a high level division one coach. And, um, we reviewed it together, but before we reviewed it together, I reviewed it on my own and I just made a bunch of notes and our team wrote down some, some feedback. Right. And one of the first questions I asked him, I just said, uh, Hey, you know, how do you think you did? Yeah, I think, I think the interview went pretty well. And I said, okay, well, we're going to kind of walk through it together. Um, I asked him, I said, do you know that you have sort of a, a tick when you talk, there's something that you say repeatedly, that might get in the way of um, what you're trying to communicate. And again, not about what he says, it's about how he says it. What he said was actually really good. It's how he said it that was getting in his way. And his tick was, you know, he kept saying, you know, you know, and we try to do this, you know, and then, you know, and we try to do that, you know. And so um, I asked him, I just said, hey coach, um, how many times do you think you said, you know, in a 10 minute interview? And he's like, gosh, I don't know. First off, he didn't know that that was what the tick was. I had to point that out. I said, you know that you say, you know, and yeah, I guess I do say that, you know, but he couldn't, he couldn't even put his finger on it. And I said, well, how many times do you think you say that uh, in this 10 minute interview that we broke down and studied that I'm prepared to give you feedback on? Oh, I have no idea what, you know, what I do it 10 or 20 times. And I said, coach, what if I told you that you said that 111 times in a 10 minute interview? And he's like, there's no way, you know, and he starts laughing. He's like, oh, and he puts his hand on his head. And he's embarrassed. And he's like, are you serious? And I said, oh, yeah. And we went and watched some of your other interviews. And hey, man, same thing's true. You are saying that repeatedly in every single piece of public communication. So not a huge deal, but it's getting in the way. How he says what he says is getting in the way of what he's trying to say. It has nothing to do with his language or even the content. It's how he's communicating. Now, that's one really small example. You can get into eye contact, hand gestures, presence, posture, body language. The point is this. If we're going to be really effective communicators, we need to be acutely aware of not just what we're saying, but how we're saying it. Because communication builds relationships. Relationships lead to trust. Trust leads to more business and more results. And so um, 
I think we just got to keep that in mind as we continue to communicate with the world around us. Oh man, it's such a great example. 111 times. <laughs> what a gift you gave him, right? Like he didn't, he had no idea. And it, you know, it makes me think about tonality and, and I'm thinking about Scott Sparks. Like he, if you listen to him talk, everything he says sounds important and whatever it is, he, he, it sounds like something you need to do. He actually, uh, his voice reminds me of Harvey Specter on Suits. If anybody's watched that show, like the main character, like very commanding, very powerful voice. And one thing I learned from Scott, this goes back years, he actually records his language on his phone and listens to his own voice. How many of us enjoy that? Like, it's hard, isn't it, Jordan, like to listen to your voice? I've listened to some of my podcasts. Oh. I was like, oh, I just want to hear the other person. I don't want to hear me, right? But like, that's that's such a, a brilliant thing. And, you know, I listen to your tonality, Jordan, positive, motivating. When I listen to you talk, it makes me think I can do anything. And I know that's intentional, isn't it? You, you intentionally work on how you sound, right? Yeah, I do. And I've had to work at that really hard because I used to be really awful at that, Will. Honestly, I was the young, energetic salesperson. And I always thought that I needed to show up with great, big, positive energy. How many of us know that good energy doesn't mean loud energy? I was confused as a young advisor. I thought good energy meant loud energy. And so I would just show up at a level 10 in every conversation. And I was failing to connect with my audience repeatedly. Now, some people I could connect with if they were also a level 10, maybe they were a young professional and they had similar levels of energy, but there was a certain group of people that I was not connecting with. And the first step in building trust and rapport is mirroring. So it's actually examining your audience, the person you're sitting across from and thinking about how they connect. And I will mirror the energy level the tonality, the pace, the hand gestures of the person that I'm connecting with. And what happens is this, right? You get into a conversation with somebody who is maybe slower to speak. Maybe they're having kind of a bad day and maybe they're feeling even uneasy about financial planning and they're sitting in your office and they say, you know, Will, um, I'm glad I'm, I'm here. But to be honest, I, financial planning makes me kind of insecure. I've made some bad decisions over, the, over my life and I've just you know, I know this is really important, but, uh, you know, I, this is, uh, this is going to be, this maybe be a bit difficult for me, but you know, I, I'm, I'm glad, Will, that I'm here. Okay. Jordan Montgomery of old would have said, you know what? I'm glad you're here too. I'm excited to be your financial advisor. Listen, we deal with people in your situation all the time. We're going to set you back on your feet. I'm here for you. I can't wait to dig in. I'm really glad that you're here. And this person's thinking, oh my gosh, you're way too much for me. Now, if that same person, if Jordan Montgomery of old would have said, hey, um, I just want to let you know that there's a lot of people that feel the way that you feel. And this isn't an easy topic. I mean, we get into some stuff that you're probably not sitting around thinking about every day. And guess what? I've made some mistakes, too, in my financial life. And most people have. And you're not that different than anybody else. And you know what? I just I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're willing to trust us with this conversation. And then this person says, yeah, this is my kind of guy. This is, this is my kind of person. And all I did was I just, I mirrored the pace, tonality, and the energy of the person that I was speaking with. Now that sounds incredibly elementary and very foundational. And most people would say, I do a great job of that. If you start to record some of your conversations with permission, right? Maybe you do this with colleagues or in team meetings. 
you will be amazed at how many times you don't effectively mirror the people you are connecting with. You know, Jordan, what you said, I've never done that, but I think it's amazing. So I'm picturing you and, and actually Lipscomb and I had a pod plus conversation about this and, and he talked about the idea of being an ambivert. So, you know, you've got uh, 10 extrovert on one end and 10 introvert on the other. And Tom's point was, I don't need to be a 10, but I can get myself to a four. And if they're an eight, you know, then we meet at six, basically. And so that's what I was picturing, right? When you, the biggest thing I noticed you did, you were still positive. You were still enthusiastic, but you slowed down the pace and it felt, it felt um, soothing to that guy, I bet. I bet it was, it was something that felt more inviting to him. And, and, and you know what also did? It, it lifted him up, didn't it? It lifted him up a little bit. Well, I hope so. You know, when we have those conversations, we hope that that's the outcome. And I think the point is not to be a different person. You always want to be who you are and we're most effective when we're most authentic. So I want to be my authentic self. I don't want to change for anyone. The point is not to change who you are. The point is to be exceedingly human with the people that you connect with. And instead of thinking about what I'm saying, I want to think about how this person is hearing me and how they're receiving me. And it's harder for them to receive me if I'm at a completely different energy level. And to your point, Will, if they're at a two and I'm at a 10, it's going to be very hard for them to hear me. So the way that we adjust is we think more about the other person where others focused. I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. I'm thinking about how are they going to hear this? How are they going to receive this? And it might even have to change some of what I say. You know, my, my language might be slightly different, but certainly my posture, my tonality, my pace, and my energy will be a bit different. And Will, I bet if we went back and listened to all of your podcasts, um, we would notice this in your communication because you're a very effective communicator. And when you interview somebody who's real high energy, right? If you interviewed a um, Al Shore, your energy is going to be different than if you interviewed John White, right? Because they're very different people. And it would be normal that you would talk slightly different to the two of them, you would still be who you are. You're going to be exceedingly human and uh, you're going to meet those people where they're at. And I think that makes a big difference in how we connect with the world around us. Man, it's so true. It's such a great point. And yeah, there's a number of takeaways within it. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious about this idea of communication because this, I just heard this on a podcast yesterday. There was a discussion about the Lakers when they had Shaq and Kobe on those teams. And, I think the person said they won three titles together, but they were both wanting to be number one. And if they had communicated better, uh, who knows, right? They probably could have won a few more. I mean, is, is that something you see with, with the athletes? It's like, there's um, everybody like wants to be like, do they, do they focus on their own success too much sometimes and forget about the team? We just focus on ourselves too much. I mean, that's the reality, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's, it's not even our success. It's just like, I'm just focused on me. And what's crazy is if we're not others focused, it's not that we talk about ourselves because we have enough self-awareness to not do that, right? We kind of learned that in elementary and middle school. It's like, okay, I shouldn't talk about myself or that gets weird. Some people never learn that, right? But most people do. <laughs> what happens is if you're not focused on the other person, you end up communicating around things that don't matter. And you ask questions like, so Will, have you been busy? You know, so Will, uh, Summer's flying by, isn't it? You know, how was your summer? Uh, so, Will, man, the rain is really coming out down <laughs> out there today. Uh, has that changed any of your plans? 
I mean, they're just silly questions. They don't mean anything. They're, they're, they're arbitrary. They're irrelevant. The responses are irrelevant. Um, and my belief is we ask questions like that because we're not focused on our audience. If mm -hmm. I was focused on an audience, I would say, Will, you qualified for forum again. Incredible, man. How did that feel? Will, you're doing this new stuff with Scott Sparks. Like, how's that going? How are the boys doing with back to school, man? How are they adjusting? Like, those would be the questions. That would be the conversation. So the single greatest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. George Bernard, <laughs> right? And we just sometimes fail to connect. We fail to communicate. We ask silly questions. And it's because we're not thinking about the other person. We're thinking about ourselves. And um, just because you said it doesn't mean that they heard it, believe it, or will do it. We got to stay on repeat. We got to say the same thing over and over and over again. We got to stay others focused. Um, we had Pat Lynchoni on our podcast yesterday, and Pat said this. He said, you're not just the CEO of your organization. You are the CRO. You are the chief reminding officer. You know, most people need to hear something seven or eight times before it sticks. And so if that's true, then it's incumbent upon us as leaders to communicate over and over and over again and to be others focused in how we communicate. And Will, you're awesome at that, man. You have committed so much of your professional life to that and getting on these podcasts and interviewing people and asking engaging, insightful, thoughtful questions and that's why you've created a lot of impact. That's why you've helped a lot of people. That's why you've qualified for forum over and over and over again. You understand the art of making people feel welcomed, invited, and you understand the art of effective communication. So just want to give you praise and a shout out for that, man. You're doing it well. Well, no, I, I appreciate that, man. And I, and I see what you did just then. There was also some preparation. So so I might say to you, I might say, hey, man, uh, you guys have another another uh, baby arriving soon, right? How's that going? And see, that's meaningful. What it would do is it would require me, it, I'm almost envisioning an exercise. It's like, okay, who am I about to talk to? And if I go in and say, you know, I don't know, the Giants aren't very good this year or something. Um, like you said, it's a throwaway comment, but I've got to, I think when the preparation happened, when you started thinking about my world, that forced you to get in that mindset. It was, is that how you did it? You, you just said, all right, let me think about Will. What's going on with him? Who is he? And then you couldn't focus on anything but that. And that totally would have changed the interaction. Yes, that's it. And if we're going to do that, I think we have to start with a mindset of striving to be memorable versus striving to be likable. Ooh. For so many years, I was striving to be likable. And so I'd smile and I thought it was just, you know, well, I ask Will questions and I'll let him talk and that'll be good enough. Well, it's not good enough. Um, because I could ask, you know, you will like a question like, how's business going? Or Will, how did you get to where you're at today? <laughs> you could literally respond to those questions and type an email at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Because you've responded to those questions so many times. And so what I want to do is I want to make you think. I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to make you feel something. Great communicators make other people feel something. Maya Angelou said it's not about what you said that people remember, they remember the way that you made them feel. So I want to take you a little bit deeper. And, um, you know, hey, Will, what are you learning right now? Um, Will, what's the greatest lesson you've learned over the past year? Uh, Will, uh, tell me about how failure has shaped your life. Um, a great fact-finding question. Instead of asking somebody, hey, where do you see yourself, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, say, hey, 
how do you define success? What is your definition of success? I want to make you think. I want to pull you a little bit deeper. I want to be memorable. I want you to walk away thinking that conversation was different and that person forced me to reflect and ponder and think about my life and offer some perspective and real thoughts and real conversation. And again, man, that's so much of what you do for people through the podcast. So um, you're memorable. You work at that. You're intentional. You're others focused. And I think if we start with this mindset of I'm not going to be likable, I'm going to be memorable. It will change the questions that we ask and it will change the way that we interact with the people around us. Oh, that's so good. Well, I got to tell you that 40 minutes or whatever is flown by. I know we need to wrap up. So as we do, um, I know that for those that want to learn more and I would encourage everybody, Jordan, you've got podcasts, you do some amazing webinars and, and you know, you've, there's, there's some ways people can get exposed to your content and then they can go deeper and, for those that want to learn more, uh, you email jay, J-A-Y, at montgomerycompanies.com. J-A-Y at montgomerycompanies.com. And Jordan, as we wrap up, man, any any final things you want to share that you're working on or that uh, you want people to know about? I would just say this. We've had so many people, and you're one of these people, Will, who's just been so gracious to us. Um, so many people, too many people to name that have just generously cared for us supported us. So many people have taught me, sat with me, spent time with me. Um, reach out. Like You don't have to engage in a formal relationship with us or pay us for coaching for us to have a conversation. Jay is my brother, jay at montgomerycompanies.com. If you want to connect with somebody in our community, you want to get on a quick phone call, um, you want to attend a mastermind session, if there's a quick answer, uh, uh, question that you want to ask, maybe we can respond and a DM via Instagram or whatever. But reach out. We just want to be helpful. We're here to serve. Um, obviously, we do formal coaching, and so we'd love to to help as many people as we can through our group coaching and individual coaching programs. Um, our team is passionate about that. But at the end of the day, we just want to be supportive and helpful. And there's no doubt you will be. I would encourage anybody to reach out. Uh, connecting with Jordan and his team might just change your life. Until next time, everybody. Mm -hmm.